The Echo Chamber, brought to you by The Homes Report and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers. The Echo Chamber Creativity Series is brought to you by Ogilvy. Welcome to The Echo Chamber. This is Arthi Shah. I'm your host for today's episode. This is the second podcast in a three-part series that we are doing with Ogilvy on the state of creativity in the industry. Uh, The last podcast in the series tackled the issue of diversity, and this time we're going to look at what's often considered sort of the brass tacks, um, old-school PR deliverable of media influence. We have Jen Reese, who is uh, Ogilvy's worldwide chief communications officer, on the show today, and she's going to talk about the ways the industry is reinventing media influence, um, what it takes for brands to build their reputations, and the way that, and also the way sort of fake news is also sort of shifting and changing the media environment. Um, we're going to talk about the findings from the 2017 OMI, which is the Ogilvy Media Influence Survey, which examined the opinions of 255 news media professionals, um, reporters, editors, producers from North America, EMEA, and APAC. So um, let's welcome Jen back to the show. Welcome to the show, Jen. Hi, how are you? Good, good. It's great to have you back on the show. Thank you for having me. So, Jen, you have been at the helm of the Ogilvy Media Influence Survey. I'm just having to call it OMI, so I don't have to remember all the words. Um, Of OMI for how many years? Um, Since I joined the agency about six years ago. Oh, wow. So... Can you tell us a little bit about OMI, you know, just some background and, and, and why you all started it, and um, what's the process um, in terms of the methodology for getting the survey results? So the um, Ogilvy Media Influence team was created because um, um, people wanted, we wanted to really focus on building the reputation of, our, of, of the brands we work with through using traditional media relations. Um, at the time I was hired um, here, it was the time where social media was really emerging as um, the, the, the vehicle and ways that, that news was being covered. And a lot of people thought traditional media was dead. Um, but I think Ogilvy realized that you have to still earn influence, and media relations is a key part of that. Chris Graves and Kate Cronin at the time um, hired me to come to Ogilvy and create a point of view, create a point of view on how to build brands through traditional media relations and why it's important and how those, that those types of channels really can raise the stock price and get people to buy products. So I've been building that team over the years. Um, I built that team first in New York, and then in the United States, and then globally. We have about 75 people strong um, for Ogilvy Media Influence around the world. Um, the survey really emerged probably the third year in, probably, no, I'm sorry, the second year in, um, where we did the survey in the United States only. Um, it's the fourth year of our survey, and people around the Ogilvy network saw it, um, and by popular demand, we opened it up around the world, and um, we had about 22 offices this year participate. In the past, we've had as much as 30, um, and they all participate, and we do qualitative um, results and, and questions for um, probably five or six different questions annually. This year, we did 10. Um, this year, we did 10 because we sent out an email to our Ogilvy Media Influence Network and said, what are the topics that you mostly want to hear? What are the topics you want to mostly address? Um, and they all came back with different themes, um, one of which was fake news, because obviously that's very much prevalent in the, um, in the political world right now. 
And um, we came up with the survey that we have, and we released the first round of the findings at CAM this year. Um, and now we are getting ready to launch our next round of findings now in September. Um, but it's been one of the most successful surveys we've done to date, and it's driving a huge amount of engagement. It's based a lot on the political environment and the fake news phenomenon. Yeah, let's let's um, let's first tackle sort of the 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 round one of the findings that you all um, launched at CAN. One of the one of the findings there that really stood out to me is that Facebook is now the number one gatekeeper of news. Like that's where people are looking now. And I suppose this has been, been going on for, for a while now, but it, 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 I, but it's always sort of jarring to me to see that, that people aren't going to the front page of the New York Times or, you know, or, or whatever, you know, Wall Street Journal, whatever news outlet of choice. Um, that instead people are going to their social networks and, and looking to see, you know, what's being pushed there. So is this the first year that Facebook was the number one gatekeeper of news? Yeah, I mean, every every year we ask different questions. It's all real, and there's no standard questions that we ask the survey. As I said, this is a survey that we poll our own population and find out what's of the most interesting issues they're dealing with, no matter if you're in China, the UK, or, or Washington, D.C., and, um, you know, one of the things that we just really talk, we always talk about is where do people get their news? And in the past, it's been traditional newspapers versus social media. This year, it was the fact that we started to think about, well, what channels specifically in social media do people get their news from? And, you know, Facebook, this was the first time Facebook emerged as the number one place where people get their news. Um, I have to say, I'm not surprised. I think Facebook is a place where people spend a lot of their time. They interact with their personal family and friends there. They also interact with their work colleagues there. Facebook has pre presented an opportunity for brands to have new and different ways to reach their end users because um, they can reach consumers in different ways. But also, more importantly, it's an opportunity for traditional news outlets to find new ways to reach people that might not necessarily read their news outlets. I'll give you an example. My my family are not big readers of the Financial Times or the New York Times, and I would say probably if they have the right targeting on Facebook, they might have access to a New York Times story that they might necessarily never see. So I think it's Facebook and other social mediums are actually providing an opportunity for traditional news outlets to expand their, their, uh, their base. So in addition to Facebook, um Twitter was also cited on the survey, right? And uh, I think only 3% considered it um, Twitter their gatekeeper of news, which which I actually found somewhat surprising um, for a couple of reasons. I mean, one is that, I mean, we do have a president who, who very heavily uses Twitter. And and I guess just anecdotally, I always hear from people that's that's a great way to just sort of keep track of, of um of what's going on in the world, especially because you can follow people that don't necessarily follow. You can follow influencers, journalists, um, to sort of keep tabs on things. Um, were you surprised that Twitter was just cited 3%? Um, yeah, I, I, I kind of was. Um, I think that, you know, a lot of people would think that that's how um, people get their news um, or a consistent way people get their news. Um, I think it speaks to the globality of, of the research and the fact that it's not just a U.S.-centric body of research. I think that in different parts of the world, um, different reporters probably think that they get, people get their news differently. I think in the U.S., we do have a, a commander-in-chief that focuses and uses Twitter. And, you know, we've seen that um, different news outlets have had to completely revamp how they um, – 
track and follow news because it's just it's beyond a 24-7 world. It's like a 24-second world. I mean, it's, it's literally every two seconds, everything can change. I mean, the amount of the amount of times I think probably news anchors need to go and look on tw a Twitter feed, their Twitter feed, before they actually go on and do the night's news because it could change any moment. I think that Twitter is very much a key part of it, but I think maybe we have a different perspective because we sit in the States. Yeah, 24-second 24, 24 world. I like that. Um, yeah, because in, a, well, in EMEA, um, Twitter was, I think, at 9% said it was their, their primary gatekeeper of news, and, and Facebook was actually 60% in EMEA, right? So, so was that? So, would that mean that Facebook was 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 used more frequently in EMEA as a gatekeeper for news, or or in North America? Um, I would say that overall, we saw pretty much a consistency. I mean, I don't really think there was much of a difference mm. of one versus the other. I mean, I from what we have seen, it's pretty much consistent across the board that um, you know North America, EMEA, they're they're using Facebook that way and they're seeing Facebook that way. It's very different in markets like Asia Pacific where um, they very much don't use Facebook as, as a gatekeeper or don't see Facebook as a gatekeeper of news. I think it mm -hmm. talks to just the, 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 I mean, the globality of media and different types of media outlets. I mean, I think just the way even media is set up in China versus how media is set up in the UK is just very different and you have a lot of cultural differences. Right. So, 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 the, so the takeaway was in North America and in EMEA, Facebook is now the number one gatekeeper of news. Um, Twitter was a little less influential than than people would have would would expect. Um, and then and then let's look at Asia now, as you as you mentioned. In Asia, and correct me if my my stats are wrong here. Um, it looked like traditional media traditional media channels um, are still the primary gatekeeper of news. So people still go to news outlets directly for the news, um, and the social channels uh, didn't quite yield as much influence there. I would say yes, that was this year. In years past, we've done the research, it's, much, it's been almost the inverse. I mean, I think, again, it goes back to, because we do this very, we have a very prescriptive way of doing this survey year to year. We look at different news outlets while we look at having a certain number of outlets. We might one year have more business outlets versus consumer outlets versus maybe bloggers or tech journalists. So I think this year we had a much more traditional base of journalists that we polled around the world. Um, and I think that impacted specifically in Asia why traditional media was seen as number one and social um, as a secondary. Mm -hmm. Were you um, so so given that in Asia um, traditional media kind of still topped the list? Um, on, on top of that, there was there was an uh, one of the options was other for and in and in Asia. Other was like fifteen percent, which I thought was quite high. Do you know what accounted for other? Was it things like WeChat? Yes, it, it, it's different um, next gen communication tools that I think, like just like you see in different parts of the world, where people use WhatsApp and they use in America. Mm -hmm. Let's talk for a moment then about Google. So, Google ranked lower than than all of the social networks. Um, do you think of Google as a place where people get news? And I mean, clearly, according to the survey results, it's not. I mean, journalists don't go to Google first to get news. Um, was that was that at odds with what you would expected, perhaps? No, I mean, I think that people people use Google as a search tool. I mean, I think that you know, 
I, I go there to look for things. I don't go there to, to, to get my news there. I would say that I found it when you when you saw the fact that Facebook was seen as the number one gatekeeper of news, that logically, intuitively makes sense because, you know, I can say that my colleagues probably 10 times a day, if not 10 times an hour, are always on Facebook, and that's what they're always looking at. And a lot of the times I interview people today for jobs, and they say, I say, what, what do you read? And they're like, I read Facebook, and they don't even talk about newspapers anymore. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, it's just it's become a way of, of how people consume content and consume news. Um, I think Google, I was not surprised by Google's um, ranking and, and feedback, but um, I, I was surprised that traditional was, has reemerged, so to speak, as the number one way people get their news in, in Asia. But overall, I think our findings are very representative of what I think we expected to see. So let me let me go back to that, that point that you made that, you know, when you ask people, you know, what, what do they read? And they say they read Facebook. How aware are people of, you know, in your experience of um, the source of the content they see on Facebook? Because I know, I mean, I'm guilty of this too. We'll say, I'll tell a friend, oh, hey, somebody posted on Facebook, you know, and I'll cite the news story. And I, I won't always remember the source of that story. I'll just know that, I, that someone-so posted it on Facebook. Um, in your experience, how aware of the, of the source of the content are, are people when they, when they consume news on Facebook? I don't. I don't think that they are, and I think that's why you know when you when you talk about the the fake news phenomenon and how much that's exploded and become part of what PR people need to really consider today. I don't think it's the number one thing you need to consider, but it's just another factor you need to manage. I think fake news has really been able to gain traction through a lot of social media because people don't know the sources of, of what they're reading. And they read it as fact, and then they go tell their friends, or then they retweet it, or then they talk about it. So let's. Uh, well, I think we'll, we'll go back to um, to to fake news in just a moment. But before, I just wanted to close out. Um, you know, talking about sort of social media and and sort of emerging technologies and 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 how that's changed. Um, the media landscape. Did, did, did the survey look at all at some, some emerging technologies like virtual reality and AI or, and, and how um, tools like that might be changing the way that journalists approach or report on news? Um, it, it did. Um, I think a lot of these technologies are, um, as you said, they're emerging. I mean, I think some of them are still new. Some of them, most of our I can tell you most of our clients who work with on a day-to-day basis don't even something they're thinking about or considering right now. Um, but I think that what we're seeing is um, that it's a consideration. People are looking at what's next. Um, you're seeing new technologies and new, adva- and new digital media advancements are changing how we consume news. Um, and they're here, but I think that there's still a lot of I'm not saying skepticism, but I think people still question the, the viability of how you actually can use them. Um, VR and AI have, have, have some catching up to do um, in relation to like really connecting and letting people really understand how they can leverage them. Um, but I think, you know, we have to wait and see what's happening. I mean, I think that, you know, it took a, a long time for major brands um, who are not more consumer-facing, but more traditional B2B or, or, or technology brands or et cetera, different brands that are non-traditional, so to speak. I mean, we're still having basic social media conversations still with people. So some of this um, next-gen tech stuff is still um, evolving, if that makes any sense. Sure, sure. 
Um, what about the differences between, um, oh, sorry. So, so, so actually let's go back for a second. Um, one of the things that I found interesting just on the, on the social media component is, um, for brands, earned media edges out all else when it comes to driving reputation and, and influence. Um, I think social media, I think 27% said that that drove, um, reputation. And they said, I think about 13% said it was influencers, um, can you put these numbers into, into some context? Were they surprising? And I know you probably didn't ask the same question in previous years, but do you have any context in, in terms of how this mix may have shifted? Well, I think that every year what comes back is the fact that traditional media is still extremely influential and important uh, because it, it, that most of those outlets are the media other media listens to. Um, and you've heard me talk a lot, and I probably talked about it even on this podcast series before, about um, that traditional media is alive and well and it's not going anywhere, despite the emergence of all these other different ways to speak today. Um, I think that there's more of an emergence of influencer engagement. I think social media is being put in a little bit more perspective, um, which is why you're seeing this 27%, because I think that you're seeing the, the impact of, honestly, things like fake news. Um, that have made people question um, what's actually real news, what's not. I still think that, and when we talk about earned media, that to me is traditional media. So traditional media sources like the Wall Street Journal that has reporters and editors and, and different folks like that who are really um, really still defining the standard of news. Um, I just think you know, traditional media still reigns supreme. Um, and you have different outlets like Bloomberg and Twitter are teaming up to produce content. Um, you have different outlets that are more next-gen trying to partner with traditional outlets that have been around for a long time to produce the best content because they all have to consistently um, evolve and, and become um, new versions of themselves, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. And, and, um, so, let's, so let's dive into, into fake news. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read one of, some of the stats and kind of ask for some, some context or analysis around, around them from you. So one of the things that, that jumped out to me was so more than half of journalists worldwide, so I think it's 52%, find traditional media to, to be the most trusted news source, followed by company websites and press releases, um, which was 22%. So I think both of these numbers are interesting, and, and both of them I thought were, were lower than I expected. Um, I, I was surprised that only half of, of journalists worldwide consider traditional media to be the most trusted source of news. And I'm curious as to if, 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 you know, where the other half um, is, is sort of, you know, what their source of, of news is. And then the second question, I'm going to throw two questions at you is, um, is company websites and press releases only 22% consider those to be trustworthy sources of news. And given that we're in, in the industry of, of, of oftentimes producing that content, um, what are the implications uh, for PR? I'm going to take the second part first. Um, I would say that when looking at websites and press releases, only 22%, what does that say? I mean, I think that the value of earned media cannot be overstated. Um, brands um, are, increasingly relying on the trust and credibility of this type of media to tell their story. I think that the threat of alternative facts and fake news is real um, in, in some avenues like social media platforms and, and even sometimes in different um, press releases and company sites because those are not policed those or edited. Sorry, police is a little dramatic of a word. Um, but it's more about like not having a filter, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. So 
The survey, the survey findings are a welcome indication that earned media is resilient and remains a cornerstone of communications today, of any program today. Um, back to your first point uh, question, I think that, you know, only 52% found trust traditional media to be a trusted source. I mean, I, I don't see that as low. I see that as it's at least more than half, um, slightly more than half, but still more than half because, again, we had a very diverse mix of journalists. But what it tells me is that, you know, no matter how many new types of channels are coming out, no matter how many way, new ways of communicating are coming out, no matter how many factors we have to manage, like fake news, people still trust traditional news outlets more than they do others. And I think everyone is going to have a much more skeptical way of looking at news today, but I think that traditional media still has the best chance of, of, of producing the best stories because what I think fake news has done is I always believe that you can turn any threat into an opportunity is that what fake news has done is it's really had editors take another look and go back to the basics of what is good reporting? How do you fact check? How do you actually make sure you have the right sources? And I think that that's something that is, is really important that I think fake news has helped to just re-solidify the fact that you know, let's go back to the basics and let's actually go back to all the proper rules and ways of, of doing journalism and, and, and get our staff really to understand what that needs to look like. And, and it's probably worthwhile for me to kind of break it down by region. Um, in North America, I think the trust in traditional media was actually the highest at 59%. Um, of journalists said that it was the most trusted news source. And company websites and press releases were actually the lowest in North America at only, I think, 15% considered it. It's 1-5. Um, in EMEA, traditional uh, media was ranked 47%, so it was slightly less than half. Company websites and press releases were um, were on par with the global average at 22%. Um, and then in Asia Pacific, interestingly enough, traditional media was about 50%, but company websites and press releases were actually more trusted there than they were in uh, North American EMEA at 29%. Um, what do you think accounts for, like, why do you think journalists in North America seem to be um, a little bit more skeptical and suspicious of, of, of owned collateral like websites and, and press releases um, than than EMEA and Asia Pacific. Is there anything culturally or that you think is differently? Like any nuances that would make North America a little bit more skeptical? I mean, I think I mean North America mostly is the United States for this survey. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it just, I think it's the impact of the recent election. I mean, we did this survey um, right around that time, and I think what you're dealing with is you're dealing with journalists that had to watch. Um, a lot of news stories being created that were not so true from both sides. Um, and I think you have a much more, you had a much more skeptical group of journalists than we probably told in the United States, and that probably impacted the numbers. Mm -hmm. I think that I still believe more broadly, um, fake news is not more anything, it's not anything I have to think about more today than I thought about five years ago. I think that it's just another factor I need to manage, and, and when I manage the brands of our clients who work with or I manage Ogilvy brands. But I think it's not it's not like the end all be all. I don't think it's as important and, and a consideration point that we need to really think about on a day to day. I think it is a of the now topic that has a lot of people's interest based on especially the political world that we're seeing in the US and, and other issues happening around the world. And I think it provides great conversation. And I think that's part of the reason why it's gained as much steam as it is is because you have whatever you want to say about President Trump. He is a former TV personality. He knows how to make a headline. And when he says fake news to CNN, it's, it's, it's entertaining. 
So taking, oh, indeed, it is. Um, so, um, indeed, so, so taking these numbers into account, I mean, do you think that brands, um, do you think the 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 marketing mix across earned media and sort of owned media, like press releases and, and websites, I mean, do you think that that mix for most brands is you know reflects this number? I mean, or or do you think in the last few years maybe brands have put an overemphasis on websites, press releases, and I'm going to throw in like any other sort of owned, you know, blogs and all of that, um, maybe at the expense of earned media. And perhaps should that, you know, if, if a brand has taken that route, should they sort of be rethinking that and, and be maybe emphasizing traditional earned outlets again or more? Uh, yeah, I think, I think they should be stressing that more. I mean, I think what, we're, what we've seen, and you guys know this as well as I do from the Holmes Report, I mean, you guys cover the PR industry. I mean, I think PR has a bigger seat at the table than it's ever had, and traditional media, earned media, is a key pillar of that, right? So I think that, you know, companies that have gone one too far one way of, of advertising or social media or focusing on just own channels, I don't think it's as effective. Mm-hmm. And I think that what we're seeing is that people do need to reconsider and refocus on traditional media, um, I know many brands that have never veered from it. I mean, I've had companies that have had challenges that have used traditional media to help manage those challenges where an ad wouldn't work mm-hmm. um, because you need a third party to actually validate the story you're telling and, and actually put them, some objective eyes against it. So I would say that what we're seeing is a, a recommitment to traditional media. Um, I know many brands, and specifically me, as you know, I'm the biggest advocate of it. I, I've never veered from it ever, but I think that you have brands today realizing that PR needs to have a very strong seat at the table, um, almost of equal importance to other marketing disciplines, and um, I think people need to really double down on traditional media because that's a, a huge megaphone to get their brand out, rise, raise their stock price, and get people to buy their products because that level of endorsement means the world because I mean you and I both know a lot of people don't read press releases anymore yes um this is true so let's like so you've touched on this um quite a bit actually in this conversation but I but I want to look um just really directly at fake news for a moment so one of the stats that also was interesting to me was that um is you Basically, more than half of journalists in North America, I think 54%, have changed their reporting methods in light of the current political climate. Um, it's less dramatic in, in the other regions. I think EMEA was 41% have changed uh, their reporting um, based on the on the political climate, and 34% of reporters in Asia Pacific did the same. So when you say, and, and in particular, let's talk first about North America, because um, I'm sure it's probably slightly different in EMEA and Asia Pacific, but when you say that Journalists have changed their reporting methods. What do you mean by that? Well, I think they have to realize that they, I mean, what journalists are doing is that they have to realize that they have to be functioning, as I said, in this 24-7 news environment, right? So they have to be thinking that, especially, for example, even in the United States, that you have, so you're now, they're following someone like Trump, who literally every hour could be putting out new news. They have to think about it and how they even manage their own personal reporting about how they cover and do their job, whereas they might have been able to look at their own Twitter handle or their Twitter channel a couple, every couple of hours. Now they probably have to do it every hour, if not more than that, to, to keep current. So 
when I say they changed how they report, they have to change how they get their facts. They have to make sure they're more aware and more, um, not just looking at what they're producing and the sources they're talking to, but also keep track of the news happening on a day-to-day so that they can actually cover the news the way they need to. I mean, news outlets have had to double down on their coverage and expand their newsrooms just to keep pace with the Trump administration policies on Twitter and other channels. Journalists, like, news is reported, as I said, in every, every few seconds, and journalists have to really not only recommit to how they cover the news, but they need to be more engaged with how news is coming out and make sure that they don't miss something. That's what I meant by that. So one of the other stats that um, that I found interesting was it was a globally journalists believe that twenty um, believe that social media polarized media coverage and confirmation bias have contributed to the um, rise in fake news. And just to break this down, it was twenty five percent said it was social media that has um, contributed to the rise of fake news. Fourteen percent said the polarized media environment, and for another fourteen percent said um, confirmation bias. Actually, and, and I'm curious as to like what what the remainder said, since this doesn't add up to 100%. So, so maybe, so that's one question. And, and the other question I have is if you want to, if you could talk a little bit about, um, if you got a little additional context in terms of what, um, what amongst these three things that, that journalists really felt like were, was the biggest contributing factor, like in social media, was it like, you know, these news bots from, you know, that were, that were posting, you know, fake news um, on, on channels like Facebook in particular, um, in terms of polarized media coverage, I mean, is it these sort of um, these partisan news sites that, that have emerged over the last decade or so, where they, they very much have a point of view? Um, and then for confirmation bias, I mean, is this just because thanks to this fragmented media environment, we can just seek out the news that reinforces our beliefs? Um, I think I think it's a little bit of everything. I mean, the number one um, factor from talking to journalists that we even polled for this survey um, was the fact that fake news can spread quicker than ever because of social media. Um, you you can't verify the sources um, as best as much as you can, and, and news is shared so fast in real time that you know it's just it's just unfortunately. There is an opportunity for news that is not true to spread more quickly than normal. And in the political world that we're seeing in the states, and again, I, I keep using the states because that was a large contingent of folks that answered this survey were from the states, is that you see a lot of bias in journalism. There are certain outlets that are seen to be much more left-wing versus right-wing and, and, and others that are on, on the other side of that. So I think that what, what we saw is that fake news, is a phenomenon that has that has become a a key part of the conversation globally. Um, it has become it got there because of recent events that have happened in our in our world politically in the U.S. and other places around the world. And it's something that we now have to just manage as good communications people for the brands that we work with. And it's a factor we have to manage. But I do not think it is any more important than other factors we have to manage. It is not a make or break. Um, I really do believe that brands can break through the clutter, the, break through the clutter of fake news by earning trust with key stakeholders via traditional media. And you know, reporters are not the audience. Reporters are the way to get your news out to reach the stakeholders that you want. And, and if you are a brand, 
Um, and the value of earned media cannot be overstated, and it remains a cornerstone of the work that we do as good communications people every day. But I do believe the number one thing that has helped to fuel fake news is social media and a lot of the factors that we've seen happen in the political environment over the past year. So, so, so let's take a step back and look sort of holistically at the findings from both part one and part two. Based on that, what's your overall outlook around earned media? Like, are you feeling, I mean, do you feel like there's this renaissance and revival and, you know, uh, both amongst journalists and, and amongst sort of this, the, um, the attention that earned media is getting um, in terms of its importance and influence? Um, or is, I mean, or how do you feel about what's going to happen next with fake news? And I know that's a very big question um, because it's not something that I think, I think I, that's going to be solved. It seems like it's something that's going to be with us now, at least um, for the foreseeable future. Um, so, yeah, so, so, so I don't know, based on all of these, all of these stats, where, what's your kind of analysis conclusion, like what, that, that you would draw from this? Traditional media has never been more important. I think that every year we do this survey, um, we ask different questions, um, looking at the issues of the moment. But one thing always comes back year over year is endorsement from a major outlet like a Wall Street Journal or a Financial Times or a Fortune magazine still can move markets and, can, and drive purchase um, over any paid for um, ad or, or influencer blogger. Um, I think that, and that's just an example, um, I think that what this has showed is that the emergence of fake news has just recommitted journalists to better reporting, um, to better fact check, to better, to better cite sources um, who are credible outlets. Um, fake news is not going to change our, not going to change the game. It's going to be something we're going to have to manage, like we've had to manage other things in the past. But I would say I'm very encouraged by the fact of of how. Or what the stats have been on this research, because I, I've never thought the traditional media went away. I, I don't think it's having a resurgence. I never think it went away. I think it's just a matter of brands who have known it, it helps drive their business have always worked, have always known to target and spend time with traditional media outlets, whereas brands who might realize that they might need to get some oomph in their stock price or, or get people to want to purchase their product or, or look to engage with different types of stakeholders have reconsidered or have started to think differently about how to incorporate traditional PR and, and traditional media as a part of their communications programs. And I, I just think it's extremely encouraging for our industry. Um, you know, the influence in PR domain at Ogilvy um, is a very key part of, of where we're going forward as a business. Um, so I think that um, I'm excited and, and I actually can't wait to do our survey next year because I don't know I'm dying to know what the questions will be then, because every year the, the team comes back with really cool insights and questions that they want to explore. Indeed, yes. I mean, it, it, the environment is changing so quickly that it's almost hard to predict, like what what the what the theme would be would be next year, right? Um, I, I, I wouldn't have guessed. Um, I wouldn't have guessed fake news would would be as prominent. You know, eight maybe a year ago, but maybe definitely not eighteen months ago. Um, all right. Well, Jen, it is always such a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. It's been great to chat. All right. And I'm sure we'll have you back again at some point. I hope so. You've been listening to the Echo Chamber Creativity Series by Ogilvy. Brought to you by The Homes Report and produced by Marketeers.